Hello guys, welcome again to another episode of the Song of Songs series. I'm elated and excited to be sharing these wonderful truths from the Word of God. You know, so many times we often look for outside sources for truth, for counsel, but God says that the real counsel is Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus himself is a faithful witness and he is our faithful counselor. His name shall be called Wonderful counselor the mighty god the prince of peace so jesus christ is our counselor and and i hope that today we can be counseled from the word of god on how we can enhance our romance but even more importantly on how we can have a better and a deeper relationship with god so i hope that by the end of this episode by the end of this series you will have fallen deeper in love with god and obviously have improved your relationships on earth as well before we dive right in let us invite god to be with us heavenly father thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word father we don't want just to read we want to know you father we want to have a, an intimate relationship with you and so father may you make this possible today through your word and through through the fellowship of your holy spirit and the fellowship with the son as well this is my prayer in jesus name i ask amen so now we are in song of solomon chapter 2 and the topic of discussion today is divine differences in love as i was reading the chapter i was it, it was interesting to me that there were some interesting patterns that were being drawn in the chapter and i hope to share some of the few things that i learned now this is by no means an exhaustive approach study because the word of god cannot be exhausted because jesus christ is the word so how can you exhaust the very essence of what something is he is eternal and so i, I even imagine that throughout eternal ages we will continue to study about god's love about how god made us the way he made us and why because because god is eternal and 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 that makes me think that everything he creates has some sort of eternity within it because God does not create cheap things. He creates things that reflect him and he calls them his image. We'll be talking about that today. And so stay, stay tuned. And if you haven't subscribed already, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you click on the notification bell so that you do not miss this series because this is life changing, at least for me, probably a hope for you as well. So chapter two, verse number one says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys now obviously you have to connect this back to the first chapter in the first chapter the way it ended uh the beloved the man was praising the woman uh, who had some self-doubts about her how she looks that she's black that she she she's not worthy of the love that the king is giving and so the king tells this this young woman that you are fair that you are beautiful that you are enough the word fair is repeated twice you are fair you are fair and then this is how she responds to that she says i am a rose of sharon and the lily of the valleys now this is an interesting verse because uh, according to the original translation i am the rose of sharon the, the 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 plant referred to here is not necessarily a rose it is found in Sharon, which was a very fertile place. In fact, it was a place where David uh, used to um, to feed his flocks. But this is not necessarily a rose. This is a low a low lying plant. This is a very common plant, a wild plant, if you like. Yes, it is a flowering plant, but it is not it is not as 
as conspicuous as the king had just told her to be. And so this is not a response of of uh, this is not necessarily a positive response to the king or to the man. This is more like this is the king giving the compliment to the woman and the woman saying, "But I'm nothing. I'm just a plant. I'm just a lily of the valleys." Now, lilies are not particularly very interesting plants, although they could be, but there's nothing about them that's so outstanding so much as the king describes her to be. And so she still holds to the idea that she's not enough, that that she she still doesn't necessarily deserve all these things. Now, that is very interesting. And, you know, for you to catch what's going on here, maybe watch the previous episode. But one thing that really stands out here is how how we can learn a lot about differences that we're talking about divine differences it seems from the onset that these two people are very different they speak differently they they react differently to different things and i want to suggest today that the differences that's going on here is by design think of this this way um primarily there's differences within a man and a woman, right? And and the di- differences are very intentional. They are God-made. They are designed by God. And it is God's intention that through these differences, we may get to know him better. Here's what I mean. God created the male and female, created he them. We are told in the word of God. And that's very intentional. And when it comes to romantic love or Uh, when it comes to this type of relationship that is being discussed here, God designed it so that only male and female should engage in this relationship. And there's a reason for that, which is why whenever we feel that uh, because we have advanced technologically or in any otherwise, biologically, sciences, whenever we start thinking that perhaps we can devise our own ways of having human relationships or of doing human uh, we, we do we do err because God is the one who designed us. And, and then here's the big point when it comes to why God wants male and female. Because it says male and female created he them in the image of God uh, created he them. So, so the reason why God made these differences between man and woman is so that together they would glorify God. Together they would complement each other and show forth the glory, the image of God. Proclaim who God is, not necessarily to others, but to themselves primarily, to know God more. That's why God created this institution that begins as as a relationship, but really that ends in being marriage, because God has a purpose for it. And so we are told in the word of God that marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. It is a holy thing to do it is sacred and so because it is sacred it deserves to be treated as such but but obviously we see that there's there's another difference spiritually speaking where the man continues to assert positively that the woman is fair but the woman continues to say that she's not and i guess that's the difference that comes when we look at jesus christ there ought to be that difference there ought to be the difference of recognizing that that no matter how how good we may try to portray ourselves to be or how many good works we may try to do we are still not deserving of his love and his grace 
But before this turns into a sermon, let's move on. <laughs> I am the Rose of Sharon and the Lily of the Valley. So I want to do some digging because when it comes to the Word of God, um, you need to seek for it as hidden treasure. You need to seek for it and look for it. And that's how you really get to know God. That's how you get to dive deeper in love with Him. You have to read deeper first, right? And that applies to any relationship as well. You have to, to invest into knowing the other person. So anyways, I'm the Rose of Sharon. I studied a bit about the lily of the valleys. Um, that word, Rose of Sharon, I couldn't identify the plant, but it's a low-lying plant. The only plant I was able to identify, or at least research about more, was the lily of the valley. And and I was studying the family of lilies and what what they are. And one thing came out to me that the, the lilies are... Uh, monocotyledonous what that means is they have one cotyledon in their embryo and and this is the classification of all flowering plants um, which are called angiosperms they are they could be monocots or monocotyledonous uh, and and dicots or uh, dicotyledons right so this is interesting because and and here's one thing both these plants are flowering plants or maybe maybe I put it in the wrong way. Um, actually, never mind. Both the monocots and the dicots are, are flowering plants. And, and that came to me because I was now trying to think about men and women in connection to what we are studying today and why plants are being introduced. And knowing that the Bible is no stranger to using plants to refer to a person, I went a step further and thought to myself, what if, in fact, the woman gave us the liberty of doing this because she calls herself uh, a lily and so if she is a lily and a lily is a monocotyledon then the man is a dicotyledon in a sense if we are taking this to be literally but what's interesting is that both are flowering plants and that's very powerful both are beautiful and awesome and, and think about that in the concept of man and woman. Today we have a, a huge struggle when it comes to men and women. Even in relationships, we have competitions between men and women. But what we don't realize is that both are flowering. That they may be different, yes. They have a different embryo, different leaf venation, different stems, different roots, different flowers. But they all are flowering plants. They all were designed for a purpose and they all have their roles. So here's what I want to do to help us launch into relationships better, to help us understand what God is doing when it comes to relationships. I, I was looking at this in terms of plants, specifically uh, angiosperms, flowering plants, monocots and dicots. And, and, and let's say that monocots refer to, to female and dicots re refer to male. And I tried to do this exercise. It didn't work for all things, but it worked for a few things. And I'll just go straight. Maybe one thing or two. Actually, one is enough. So when we look at the monocots, which is the category into which the lilies uh, fall into, we realize that lilies have a fibrous root system as opposed to uh, dicots that have a taproot system. So I was thinking to myself, okay, what could roots mean, right? If a person was a plant, 
what would be their roots right and i was thinking okay of course roots is the root of who you are the root of everything you do and the only root we have really literally is the spinal cord let's say which connects to the uh to the uh brain but in, in even in a very in a very um in a very um huh, even in a very figurative sense the brain is the root of all human behavior right and so as so i was looking at okay what could be some of the interesting differences between male and women when it comes to how they think or how their brain works and here's what i found so literally it kind of like correlates to how the plants look like and so you have the male brain which is 10% larger than the female brain it is stronger uh, it has stronger back to back connections optimized for motor skills whereas the female brain is stronger has stronger side to side connections optimized for intuitive thinking and more gray matter now that's interesting because if you look at the uh, the female who has a, um, a fibrous root system literally the, in a fibrous root system the, the the roots spread across they don't really go that deep let's say but they're very interconnected and they they run across like a web whereas in if in 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 a tap root system which represents a man or a male the the root system is different even uh, the root system rather is different it just goes front to back it's like straightforward and that tells just gives an idea of the differences that god has designed between in men and female for a purpose for a purpose and so we find those differences in how men act and react to things and here's some of the few things we can learn uh, that we need to know at least um whenever we are dealing with human beings but also these things will help us understand god better because god is the one who designed these things for a purpose and the purpose seems to me to be his image his glory his goodness he seeks he wants to be known just as we seek intimacy uh he also seeks intimacy with us that's very interesting anyway so we have the five characteristics that are most common to human beings and um are present in varying proportions in male and female the first would be for example extraversion which is uh, the 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 idea of being sociable assertiveness activity excitement seeking adventurous positive emotions and all that and and that that seems to be most um most um that seems to be most uh found in women women seems to be more extraverted than men That, that's interesting and then there's the idea of uh, the other trait which is called conscientiousness you find that this is the ability or the uh, the, the quality of being competent older orderliness dutifulness achievement striving self-discipline not lazy uh, deliberation and all that and you find that m- women sorry men actually tend to be more in that regard this openness to experience ideas fantasy aesthetics actions feelings values that seems to be more common in women it also is present in men but most um overall it's it's a trait that is most available or, or that is most found in women agreeableness um trust modesty altruism compliance tender-mindedness straightforwardness this seems to be are very present in women than men and the neuroticism actually is also most found in in women than men and neuroticism will be the the trait or the tendency to to feel anxious 
angry, depressed, self-conscious, impulsive, and vulnerable. Interesting. So this is how God created us. And he has a reason for doing that. Here's another picture that shows the five, uh, the big five personality traits. Openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, uh, neuroticism, and agreeableness. There's a reason why God allowed this to exist in men and women in varying proportions. Ultimately, the whole idea is that together they can become better. So in a relationship, you need to know these things. And beyond knowing that women uh, occupy more of these character traits than, than men, you need to know how about you specifically, which character traits are you portraying more? And, and knowing that really helps in a relationship. Self-knowledge is very important. So that's something I thought I should share. And uh, by the way, I actually did a personality test myself and I was looking at these uh, character traits and uh, I'll share all the details below, but it's uh, you can visit the website understandmyself.com and try out and let me know how, who you find yourself to be. They also have a way you can actually generate a relationship report for your relationship to see how you're doing in each area because because and obviously they offer some advice as well on what to expect and what not to expect so that was too long it's already 19 minutes oh boy and i'm still in verse number one looking at a picture that shows the the male brain versus the female brain the, the male brain, most connections run between the front and back parts of the same brain hemisphere. Whereas in, in, in women, you have many more neural connections to uh, that go from side to side. So it's like interesting connections. And so that's why men would tend to be straightforward. Women would tend to be more intuitive and, and I guess, creative as well. Interesting, right? So knowing these differences help because these differences are God-ordained. And, and when we know them, it actually helps a lot. So just to summarize, going back to the idea of why, why God created us with different traits and personalities, um, God is actually interesting. We are told in the word of God that mercy and truth are the foundation of his throne. God is interesting in the way that he exists. He is, obviously we know that God is a triune God, but when it comes to his qualities, there are two most interesting ones that, that, that come out. And that is number one, his justice, and number two, his mercy. And these two things are not quite compatible if you think about it um, shallowly, let's say. If you just think about it randomly, you wouldn't think that justice and mercy go together. They're really opposite in some sense, but God has a way of blending them and God is both. He's both just and merciful. And so he creates male and female to portray that in some sense, giving a man attributes that reflect more of justice and giving woman attributes that reflect more of mercy. Now that's just an attempt on maybe first explanation of why God did what he did, but it is by no means exhaustive. And it's just maybe the beginning of my study and your study, if you're interested to know more about God and why he does what he does. So I thought that would be interesting. And then you look at the animals as well. You have a lion, elephant, you have, you have different animals and they have varying different, um, uh, varying, varying attributes. The elephant, very powerful yet calm and gentle somehow. The lion very intrusive and powerful 
and so all these things god created them for a purpose and that's why we we know very well that you know nature is a lesson book that god has hidden messages for us in nature and they're not necessarily hidden they're they're put there in in the way they are so that just those who are interested will find them and you know when you find something you you've looked for you actually value it but when you're given everything you tend to not value them anyways 23 minutes moving to verse number two wow 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 so we are told in verse number two, as the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. This is very interesting. And the the man agrees with the woman that yes, you are a lily, you are a plant, you are a flowering plant. Uh, maybe you consider yourself to be lowly, but actually, actually you, my my love among the daughters, uh, you, I, I should say, you are, you are a lily among thorns. So the woman tries to diminish herself and and the man uplifts her and tells her that sure you are a lily but you are a specific lily you are a special lily it's interesting that the man does not does not say things that are not true he does not invent words to to make her beloved feel better about herself he he doesn't say actually you are the the you're a different plant i should say so the man doesn't say that the woman is a different plant than she is he continues to say you are a lily but you are you are a very special lily to me so that's interesting that even when it comes to compliments compliments have to be real <laughs> and not fake because when you make fake compliments you are lying and and anything that's built upon deception quickly breaks apart I should say with that the power of compliments is amazingly uh, displayed here that in a relationship we ought to, <laughs> in a relationship we ought to give compliments to each other in a relationship with God we ought to compliment God that sounds weird though compliment in the sense of being grateful and thankful for what God has done because when that does not exist then the relationship can't move forward because you do not appreciate each other because you do not love each other or at least show that you love each other lily among thorns that's very powerful it's interesting that for those who are truly in love really in love and if you're in love with a person um a man or a woman obviously between male and female <laughs> um if you love someone everybody else must then become thorns to you and that that sounds something like dove love that we we're talking about yesterday that a dove is very specific and very laser focused to one thing at a time so you can only love one person at a time well not at a time love one person <laughs> the entire time <laughs> because this thing is eternal and so you can't be looking around for other people it has to be one person everybody else must become thorns now think of that with jesus if you are in love with jesus indeed then everything else must become thorns the brightness of the world must be dim the sin and the pleasures of the world must be thorns to you 
They must not be inviting anymore, but you must repel and oppose them and only focus on that one thing. I thought that was, I mean, I think that's all for this part. Moving on to verse number three, as the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Powerful verse, right? Now, obviously, uh, the apple tree, I don't think was invented at this time. Maybe it's a problem of translation. It could be that the woman is comparing um, comparing her lover or her beloved to a pomegranate or an orange tree. But I, I will stick with pomegranate, even though they all share the same characteristics, at least as, 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 as it pertains to what we're talking about here which is precisely that both pomegranates, even, even apple tree or even orange tree, they are, they are dicots. <laughs> so all, threes, all three here, the apple, the pomegranate or orange are all um, dicots. That is to say that they're very different from the monocots. A very interesting revelation, considering that the lily, the woman is a monocot. So maybe, maybe the, the dicot monocot thing is worth exploring, right? interesting anyways the woman says that that the beloved is like a tree now we don't know the tree so we won't focus on the tree that much but we know that the beloved is is you know represented as a tree and that we know that the woman sits down under the shadow of this tree and she does so with great delight and that his fruit was sweet haste powerful lessons for men who are in a relationship that for that for a woman you have to be a tree and then precisely or exactly what what that means is you have to be a shadow a shadow where your beloved can rest with great delight your fruit must be sweet to her taste that's very interesting because when you think about man we think of the attributes that are most aggressive and and outstanding or let's say protection and always being um protection industriousness you know all the power and the energy and 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 all the strong qualities let's say but to be a man doesn't mean to to be rough and hard to be a man is also complemented with being sweet being lovely being kind and that's interesting because think about what god is doing and teaching us he is god and by definition god would sound like all powerful all present all knowing right those would be like the most amazing qualities anyone can have and yet the qualities that god always presents about himself are usually qualities such as merciful long-suffering and those are the ones he celebrates the most. But in any case, all things must work together. All things must be in harmony. So a man is not just to be rough and hard, but it is also to balance and be also compassionate and also be sweet, it says here. Interesting, right? But the main point is that for your beloved, you have to be there, there, there. you have to be 
you have to provide a sense of security of peace and of protection you have to provide the shelter and the shadow that they need because that's what god put you in that position to do you are literally in a sense helping god or working together with god which is something amazing and obviously now let's think of this in the context of god and what he has done for us he is indeed our shelter in the time of storm we can truly and fully rest in him because he is our delight his fruit is sweet to our taste now fruit would be the words the character the actions everything in a relationship about you to the other person must be not just dutiful not just um not just following what should be done but it must also be sweet and we see god doing this over 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 and over again in our lives where he says taste and see that the lord is good and if god is good then we also should follow suit and be good like he is that's the whole message of the word of god that god wants us to be just like he is Verse number 4 he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. This is the woman speaking that she was brought into the ban- banqueting house or house of wine. And it continues to say and his banner over me was love. House of wine was an interesting connotation or phrase or the banqueting house because now I I want to think first in in context in the context of Christ. He in the book of i believe it's in the new testament not not quite sure the book precisely but you all know the story the the passover the lord's supper where jesus is drinking and eating breaking bread and you know drinking the wine that represented his blood but he tells them that he cannot partake of it but he will partake of it another time which is when God's will in him is done which is to raise all that trust in him all that will all, all that have chosen his name to raise them up at the last day and then that would be in the new Jerusalem the, the new heaven and new earth and so church this is Christ speaking to us and this is really what our desire should be that we should be brought to his house of wine and and wine has interesting meaning jesus made it very clear that the wine represented his blood his life his 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 mercy his salvation that is that is full and free and this is very interesting maybe i forgot to mention that actually right now the phase we're entering into this section is the maiden almost daydreaming or dreaming about um about about her beloved so nothing is necessarily real it's not that this happened this is actually imaginative and and anticipatory than it is what's actually happening and, and so she hopes not hopes but she anticipates and ex- expects and longs for and desires to be brought into into the king's chambers as it were and we're told that his banner over her was love a banner would be like a sign poster that says this is the one i love and that speaks to how people in a relationship ought not to hide anything love is not to be hidden like we saw yesterday but it is to be known love must be evident 
if you love someone it must be evident it must be known it must be easily derived if that makes sense and so in the context of Christ again Jesus says if you are ashamed of me if you deny me then I will deny you so there's nothing to be ashamed when it comes to love and thinking about this idea of daydreaming <laughs> or dreaming really in in the context of 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 this book or the church the woman dreaming it reminds me of the hope that we have a hope that burns within our hearts which is the coming of Jesus Christ to take us home into his house of wine that we may dine with him there the where he is there we may be also and so i been dreaming of a city far beyond the sky you know that song when the suffering is over i will be at home at last we need to have that hope that dream going and even for those in love those who hope for marriage those who dream about about the future and what it could be right here we have authority from the word of god that it is not wrong to dream and hope about um the one that you love because because if it was not right wouldn't be able to do it spiritually and to dream about jesus christ and his return remember guys the reason why we have these relationships is because God designed it to be so. I would say rather that uh, the reason why God gave us relationships, specifically romantic relationships, is so that we can better relate to him. It's just it just a means, a structure to get us closer to God and not further. And so if your relationship is getting you further away from God, that's a sign that you shouldn't be in that relationship in the first place because it's not the one that God designed for you it's perhaps a counterfeit so that's something to consider so verse 5 says stay with me stay me with flagons i should say another version says uh sustain me with flagons flagons would be something like some cake or um raisins i read somewhere comfort me with apples again this cannot be apples perhaps pomegranates for i am sick of love she says so she is sick of love this is very interesting um maybe we don't have time to get into it perhaps another time but um it's interesting that when you, this is a term that's commonly used today in the world that you know i'm sick of love i'm sick of love but actually scientifically speaking there has been found that you know this idea of being sick of love is something that is you know could be considered as infatuation and and or, or maybe let's put it in a positive light being sick of love is when you feel physically weak because you long for someone there are many other symptoms as well of of being sick of love and And what's interesting though is that there's another condition that's very similar to being sick of love but often confused with being or longing a holy longing I should say for to be with someone 
and I actually forgot the actual scientific name for that but it's something to do with how essentially in this process of being sick of love and a hormone is produced in the in the in the body called um phenylthamine i believe that's the right pronunciation i'm not quite sure but this hormone is the one responsible for all this love sickness that we're talking about this hormone comes and goes this hormone is just a hormone we talked about character before chemistry and the reason we did is because yes there will be chemistry in love again that's designed but the chemistry must be controlled by the character not the other way around and so even when you long to be with someone and deeply desire to be with them such that you start having physiological effects or should i say physiological results effects effects is better then remember character call character to action yes you will feel think a certain way but all that needs to be controlled every thought needs to be controlled every thought everything that seeks to exert itself above the thoughts of god you need to cast down all imagination that's not godly because ungodly imagination could corrupt your relationship with your partner and ultimately with god but in a very real sense we also love sick when it comes to god a god whom having not seen yet we love a god who we long to be with one day someday It's not wrong to anticipate for that, but we also need to check that anticipation. Is it real? Are we actually seeking God because of who he is or because of the benefits that heaven provides? Are we simply looking to just, you know, live forever and miss hell? Or is there a better reason to be in love with God? So whenever you're going through your lovesick motions, ask yourselves these questions. Do I really love this person? Is this really real? If all the chemistry was gone, would this still continue? Those are the sorts of questions that people need to start asking. Verse 6, his his left hand is under my head and his right hand doth embrace me. In her imagination, she imagines literally uh, this most intimate relationship, no, this most intimate moment when it comes to humans human relationships or romantic relationships this this must be imaginative because because this woman is not what well, the other references in the book that show that this is this is not literally happening but in any case we see that these people are most intimate and they're getting to the intimacy and what i did is i pulled the intimacy all the way to the very end what is the most intimate intimate intimacy that humans can have and it all boiled down to something known as I first referred to in the bible and adam knew eve his wife the idea of being physically involved or physically engaged in what is also known as making love it's an interesting thing because we do not usually talk about sex and and i think that's a devil's idea because 
how, how exactly are we introduced to sex? If we're not introduced to sex through the word of God, we will be introduced to it through the world. And the world has a very nasty representation of what sex is and what sex means. But God is a holy God and God has a plan and a purpose for sex. Sex is not for pleasure. Sex has a specific purpose. And understanding that purpose helps you to live a life that is purposeful and also to know how to deal not deal but how to relate to to the whole idea of of sex other writers refer to it as the privilege of marriage and all those things but i'll just use the the, the word that's that's known which is um a sexual relation between man and woman so I'm not saying this is exactly what's going on here, but based on the whole longing and the, the whole desire the woman has, you can tell where this is going. And so I had to stretch that and bring that up. The reason I'm doing this is because if you look at sex carefully, it's a message that God is actually trying to communicate with us. It's the most intimate of human relations. And what God is saying is, I want to have that with you. I want, because think about it, like we've seen that any human relation is just a replication or reflection of what our relationship with God should be like. But God says it's something deeper than that though. So much so that when you look at the most intimate uh, relations we have here on earth, they don't even come close to what God is looking for. God is looking for a deeper intimacy. And so the same word knowing someone is used when it comes to what God really wants. If you really read the whole Bible and the whole, the only thing that really stands out as this is what God is looking for, it's us knowing him. Jeremiah chapter 9, I believe, say something like let not the wise man glory in his wisdom nor the might mighty man in his might no let the rich man glory in his riches but let him that glory glory in this in that he knows and understands that i am he that i'm the one that exercises loving kindness judgment and righteousness in all the earth for in these things i delight now moving on to the new testament uh, jesus prays that they might know thee the only true god and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This is life eternal that they might know you. The whole idea of sex is not pleasure as I say. It's intimacy. It's knowing each other. It's, it's reaching a level of where you say, I know this person. And also, not just knowing, but almost in a sense claiming the other person to say, he is mine and I am his, which we see popping up in a few verses later, that my beloved is mine and I am his. I am, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. So, and, and that's the whole thing of intimacy. Intimacy speaks also, um, not just intimacy, but intimacy that is reciprocal. And God is looking for reciprocity. He's looking for conversation, communication, communion, connection, He's looking for that to happen because that somehow is what life is all about. And that, that's what life is really, and that's what life is all about. So next time you think about, about sex, you need to think deeper because God intended it to be for a reason. 
the devil obviously manipulates these things and you you find that the, the things that the devil attacks the most are the things that god values the most because why would would if you were okay let's not use that analogy because of time never mind we just move on verse number seven i charge you all ye daughters of jerusalem by the rose and by the hinds of the field that ye stand not up nor awake my love till he pleases interesting so i won't go into exactly why this this or whoever is saying or charging the daughters of jerusalem is saying these things but this is interesting especially the last few phrases that you stand not up nor awake my love till he please now that the daughters of jerusalem are present means that the union or whatever communion that was going on um was not literal but imaginative and then the meaning for this would be um do not stir up do not stir up stir up is an act of initiation so do not do not stir up nor awake my love do not disturb do not start till he please do not wake my love till he please so i mean there's different interpretations here but the most important one is when it comes to romantic love or even courtship as as rightly this would be do not stir up love before he pleases or before it pleases would be another way of looking at it and that is to say that whenever you're in, in a relationship marriage relationship especially is something that you don't want to rush do not stir it up until it's time to 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 do it because if you stir it up it might end up not working right and so when it comes to marriage when it comes to courtship it's something that people need to take you know carefully think about carefully and process really carefully because if you do it in the wrong time it destroys everything and knowing that god is a god of time that is quite evident in itself what that means the voice of my beloved behold he cometh leaping upon the mountains skipping upon the hills this is so huge and i mean time is gone but this has so many implications as well but um i see jesus here i see the church having a deeper hope and a closer expectation of his return the voice of my beloved behold he cometh leaping upon the mountains we know that one day for the lord himself shall descend with a shout with the voice of an archangel with the trump of god and the dead in christ shall rise first and so jesus is depicted as as coming leaping upon the mountains skipping upon the hills to do that my friend again i mean that represents some level of power majesty authority and superman abilities which only jesus has but it's amazing how you know there's this expectation of jesus coming and it's really amazing and obviously this could mean many things in our relationships but i like what it says next it says that my beloved is is like a role actually if we go back there's an element of surprise i wanted to talk about the voice of my beloved behold he cometh leaping upon the mountains skipping upon the hills 
this moment of surprise is very important in a relationship that there ought to be moments of surprise but it's also very interesting how jesus is really the master of surprise i wonder why he likes surprise but obviously he tells us everything before it happens but he says you won't know when it happens for example his return which is the object of of concentration and contemplation today really in connection with this chapter the second return of jesus christ he didn't tell us when it will be it'll be like a thief in the night and i don't think it would be surprising or or troubling to god's people when he comes unannounced as he will it will be a joyful moment it will be an experience that is beyond words so it's not a bad thing in itself that he comes as a thief in the night for those who trust him it's the perfect thing so moments of surprise are very interesting to look or think about verse number nine my beloved is like a roar or a young heart behold he stands behind our wall he looks forth at the windows showing himself through the lattice all right permission to skip verse number 10 my beloved spake and said unto me rise up my love my fair one and come away jesus christ um <laughs> there's a song that says uh lately i've been thinking as i look all around me i see by the signs that we soon gonna be leaving the bridegroom the bridegroom is coming to take us all away maybe tomorrow but i pray that is today and we will fly away in the twinkling of an eye living all our heartache and telling them all goodbye yes we will fly away listen when he hears his father say Jesus go and get your bride today is your wedding day so one day Jesus will take us all away if we trust in him if we love him more than we love our partners on earth that's quite something it's an exercise right verse number 11 for law the winter is past the rain is over and gone amazing i'm not going to talk about this verse time is up it's already 52 minutes the flowers appear on earth the time of the singing of the birds is come and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land amazing stuff but won't talk about that today or right now verse 13 the fig tree puts forth her green figs and the vines with the tender grape give a good smell arise my love my fair one and come away amazing as well but we don't have time to talk about it today you guys can go study and dig deeper there's amazing things to explore here verse number 14 oh my dove that's powerful remember we used the analogy of dove or they used the analogy of dove in in, in chapter one now it's expanded then the woman had dove's eyes but now she's a dove that art in the clefts of the rock in the secret place of the stairs actually this is not a reference to the woman it's an actually an, a reference to the man it could depend on how you look at it but but this should mean uh, the man anyways let me see thy countenance let me hear thy voice for for sweet is thy voice and thy countenance is coming right i just go right to jesus his voice it is indeed sweet and his countenance it is indeed life to see him is to live look and live and 
One day we'll see him face to face. But right now we can behold him in scripture. We can study his life and his character. And as we do so, we will be healed. Dove, talk about dove love. Again, dove love means that it's, it's, it's exclusive, that you only love one person. And it cannot be, it's, it's a one-to-one relationship, not one-to-many relationship, right? Verse 15. Okay, wrong verse, but right text. Take us the, vo- the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. This is very important uh, to take the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. Their relationship is a vine. It's an amazing vine. But they are foxes. Foxes destroy the vine, and so they must be taken away. And they're very little. They're very little, at least it seems. But it could cause great damage. And so in every relationship, there are some little foxes. uh, Little things that could spoil the whole thing. It could be pride. It could be a spirit of, I know it all. It could be unforgiveness. It could be failure to apologize little foxes it could be neglect neglecting the other person it could be not listening to the other person it could be shutting them down whenever they say something little foxes they can destroy a relationship that quick think about christ though which is most most important how we have some little foxes that can destroy our relationship with him small sins small neglects and things that we think don't really matter perhaps things that nobody else knows about those are the things that will destroy our relationship and if we do not kill those little foxes our relationship with god and man is in danger the devil is the fox of all foxes and whenever two people get in love especially those who have been destined i should say or designed or or drawn together by god he hates it he tries to introduce foxes in their relationships to make sure that it doesn't work whenever we love jesus christ whenever we uh, kneel and ask for repentance and for forgiveness of our sins the devil there then the fox of all foxes comes and starts introducing in our lives, in our minds, in our relationships, things that will so confuse us that we will end up in a in a breakup with Jesus, if that makes sense. But you don't need to. You have been given the power. You have been given the power to kill the little foxes. Now it's very interesting also that that she says, take us, or whoever says this says, take us the foxes. That that killing or taking the foxes away is a process that requires teamwork that it's not something you can do alone in a relationship one person cannot be responsible for for ensuring that everything is working well and make sure no foxes uh, come in to fix the foxes require a team teamwork interesting verse number Huh. I wonder if this is 15 or 16. I'm losing track now. My beloved is mine and I am his. He feeds among the leaves. Very powerful intimacy that is very reciprocal. Um, so int- intimacy then is not enough if it's not reciprocal. Because you could get intimacy. 
although by definition intimacy must be <laughs> reciprocal so it's one and the same thing but this re reciprocity cannot be understated this is what god is looking for when he knocks the door of our heart he says that if we open he will enter that he will sup with us and we will sup with him reciprocity right there verse 16 my beloved is mine and i am his verse is repeated verse 17 which is our last verse until the day break and the shadows flee away turn my beloved and be thou like a roll and a young heart upon the mountains of betha i just want to focus on the mountains because in every relationship there are mountains in a very loving dedicated godly relationship too they are mountains these mountains are there despite that you guys love each other so much but mountains exist maybe for, for you to make sense of it in a relationship with christ they are mountains whether you love jesus a little or more there will always be mountains there will always be self to conquer there will always be victories to gain there will always be a hell to shun and a heaven to gain life is a battle it's a constant conflict that is always going and you need to continue fighting non-stop so in a relationship as well mountains will always be there maybe you remove one mountain and you see another mountain that was behind the other mountain it could be a mountain of physical mountain in a real sense of distance of misunderstanding it could be a mountain of miscommunication could be a mountain of doubt could be a mountain of financial difficulty could be a mountain of prophetic reality that we're living in the last days and that things will not get any easier so those are some few things i wanted to share with you thank you guys for joining me as we were journeying through the song of songs i hope you have been drawn closer to christ than you were before by god's grace and that you will then move on with faith to improve your relationships here on earth thank you so much and see you in the next episode bye for now